It's the Generation Zen Podcast, episode 11, and this is another awesome episode because we have Smash JT, and to interview Smash JT, we have the usual crew here. Sean was here. What's up, Sean? Hey, how's it going, guys? Jeremy was here. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Tom was here. What's up, Tom? Once again, it's me, Tom. Not saying everything else everyone said. Like I said earlier, and as you can tell from the title of the episode, we interviewed Smash JT. He puts out a lot of great videos on YouTube, and we talked to him about a lot of stuff. We talked to him about internet drama. We talked to him about the next generation of consoles. We talked to him about going over to Tommy Tell Rico's house and test driving the Amico. What did you guys think about this episode? You guys have fun? This was great. I, yeah, I had a great time. And I think, you know, some topics from the past we talked about again. We got some new perspectives from Smash JT. And I, I think we uh, had a really good time. Yeah, this is up there with some, one of my favorite uh, interviews. He was just such a pleasure to talk to and, like, learning about his his uh, little snippet into his life and how he got into making YouTube videos and his game testing career. It's all really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, we spent a while on this one, I think, just because... We were all just kind of talking, and yeah. it wasn't, it was like so informal, really. It was just like, just kind of talking to him and like just asking him questions like you would another person. Exactly. He was just, he was a down earth guy. He was really cool. We forgot to say in the beginning, he also worked in the gaming industry. So he talks about that and his experiences being part of the gaming industry and transitioning over to YouTube. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. And here comes the interview. Smash JT, thank you so much again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of your channel, and everyone here is a huge fan of your channel as well. And the videos you put out are awesome. So if you don't mind giving us a brief description of who you are, how'd you get into YouTube and the gaming industry and all that fun stuff. Uh, well, not to bore you, I'll just do the Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, I was born and raised in Massachusetts and moved out to California when I was 25 and didn't have a job, didn't know what to do with my life. Just recently had graduated college a few years ago from then. And I was like, oh, I saw this ad on Craigslist uh, to be a video game tester. <laughs> I was like, uh, it was right around the time of Grandma's Boy. And I was like, what is this all about? Let me let me investigate it and see. Because I'm like, I got I got no like plan to do anything. And I've loved video games my whole life, so I think it'd be kind of funny to tell people I was a game tester. So I applied to it and uh, interviewed and got the job. I was like way overqualified. Like most people didn't even graduate college. Most people uh, were like just out of high school type thing. So I was like someone who's who probably should have been doing something much better than game testing at that mm. point in my life. But I was like, whatever, you know. I saved up money to move out here, and. Uh, from there, uh, I was working at Sony Online Entertainment, and one of the main games I was working on, which we will circle back to eventually in this podcast, uh, a little foreshadowing there, but the first game I uh, tested was Cash Guns Chaos, which was a launch title for the PlayStation 3. The uh, very first, notably, the very first downloadable game available in the PlayStation Store for the PlayStation 3. So. When I was game testing, I had the PlayStation 3, the piano, the big thing, uh, 
back before it, it launched, before it released. And they were like, if anybody here takes pictures of this or or shares it, back then it was like MySpace or whatever. They're like, if you share this on MySpace, you are immediately fired. Like nobody can share photos of this. You can't because it's it's before they actually showed it to the public. And I was like, man, this is badass having a, a PS3 at my desk that nobody's even seen before. Um, but anyway, I digress. So wow. from there, I, <laughs> I, I worked at, uh, uh, I ended up getting a job. I was talking to my recruiter who hired me at Sony Online. I was like, I actually really like the idea of recruiting people in the video game industry. I think that's like really where my passion is, is just being able to, to talk to people who want to get into the industry. And she was like, uh, she's like not even a gamer. She was like, oh, do you want to do what I do? Because I kind of want to go to a different department. I was like, yeah, I would, I would love to do what you do. She's hmm. like, okay, let me talk to my boss. We'll see what we can do. And they set up an interview and I got that position. And I was like, okay. And again, it's, it's a very uh, abridged version. It's a lot longer story than this, but I'm going through the cliff notes. And so I was a video game recruiter uh, for the entire West Coast of, of the United States. So all the way up to Washington State. Um, but I would travel to companies like Square Enix in El Segundo, uh, where the airport is, uh, in LA or, uh, EA, uh, and back then Midway was still a company that was there, uh, which was so cool when you go on site to these companies and you go into the buildings and they have all the statues of all the characters from like Mortal Kombat and stuff. Like they are like pristine. It's like, it's like a game room dream like when you walk into these places like the office um other companies i worked with were nhn and nexon um which were big i believe with mobile phone games and maple story is uh i believe that was nexon's big game uh but then from there i was i was working in the game industry and i got recruited away from that to work in the for-profit school industry uh because it paid a lot better but it was still recruiting in a way but ever since then i kind of uh regretted it leaving the industry for more money but it was a substantial amount more it was almost double like oh wow like i went from like 35 uh to 70 like like that i was like okay yeah i'll 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 do that in in california where you kind of need to be making money to survive here yeah it was kind of a no-brainer but it still wasn't an easy choice um so uh, long story short to answer your question how i got into the youtube is i've always loved video games and i feel like i was pulled away from it because of real life because of financial issues and situations and just real life happening and youtube was a way to recapture all that glory of of being able to talk about games and share it have conversations with people and and find people that have similar views and people that disagree to have conversations. Cause I feel like I don't have that in my life without YouTube. So that's how I got into it. So you were basically, after you became a game tester, you primarily started into the, like the recruiting part of the industry, recruiting people, finding talent, bringing them on board to studios and stuff. Yep. I would uh, do the in, in-person interviews with people. Um, mostly it was for quality assurance testers but once in a while i'd interview developers and artists graphic designers um we did some customer service 
but that was the, the biggest thing was just QA. And that was a really challenging field. If anyone's listening to this, thinking about becoming a QA tester, it is piss poor pay, uh, very uncertain times as far as if they're going to need you one week to the next. Uh, it's just, you do it for the love of the game. You can't do it for sustainability. Most people that do it live at home with their parents or share uh, a place with a bunch of other people where it's just minimal. I mean, I was making, when I was a game tester, it was $10 an hour in California. That's $400 a week for taxes. <laughs> yeah, and not enough for California. Nope. Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> no, not even close. And it was ironic because um, when I got laid off at a later job that I had, I was actually making more money on unemployment than I was making when I was working full time as a game tester. So yes. goes to show how back reality is uh, with that. Yeah, so I, I was speaking of or going back to a second. Um, what was it? What would like the ins and outs of actually being a game tester? What are things you had to do, and what did they expect of you? So it is a lot different than what most people probably think of it as. You would sit down and get assignments from the lead. Uh, after you have a meeting for that day or that week, depending on what part of the game you're on. And they'd assign you, like, some days I'd be on audio, where it's like the most mundane task. You put a, a headset on, and you just listen to the audio in-game, making sure that there's no skips in any of the tracks for hours. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a prison sentence. And then sometimes you'd be on... Uh, sound effects where you do the same thing except you just go through make sure when you swing a sword it makes a sword sound uh or when fire is burning it makes the fire burning sound like you would think all these things that are just so obvious playing post-release you would think that that's just normal but there's so many trips along the way and so many ways for developers to make just innocuous errors that are so obvious that you're like how could you make that mistake but it's like they're you gotta think they're doing thousands and thousands of tasks to get this game out so obviously there's going to be a few hiccups along the way mm. uh, then other days you'd be assigned to just playing the same end boss over and over with different uh ways to try to fight him to make sure it didn't freeze or glitch or if there wasn't any way to 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 beat him easily if you get him in a corner and get him stuck type thing or or play the same level over and over or play through the game and make sure the levels connect properly there's just so many things you don't think about when you're playing a game after it's been released it's it's funny to me and then when i hear people complain about glitches and stuff i'm like if you complain about that, just imagine what it was like for the game testers. <laughs> the game that I feel like is probably the hardest to play test is like those open world games like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild or something. Yeah. Would you be like, you have to fight Ganon 30, 40 times to make sure that he was able to be defeated and you wouldn't have any glitches? I mean, depending on the circumstance, yes. Like for that case, probably because it's such an important boss. Um, but it depends on a lot, uh, depending on the game. But yeah, I wouldn't put that past them. I wouldn't put it past a team of people doing that for a week on one boss. One thing I'm thinking of is if you have to, what if the game tester is not very good at that specific game? Like, 
and they're assigned like a specific portion of the game, what would the developer do? That game tester would not be there next week. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you'd probably lose your job for being bad at the game. Yeah. What was like one of your favorite games you got to game test though? If you could think back to like one of your best, like one of the best ones you got to. In a weird way, I, it wasn't really game testing. It was during my time there when I transitioned, which I didn't even talk about this because it was the abridged story, but I was a QA tester for uh, about a year and then I was a, a game master for about a year. And a game master is in-game customer support. And that was for EverQuest. And I was specifically uh, a GM for EverQuest Online Adventures on the PlayStation 2, where you could like go into the game and have conversations with real people. They would know you were the GM because of your avatar. And you could do, you could just kill people. You could, you could spawn things. You could have games. You could give stuff away. And I, those are some of my best memories. It's just, it was, it was like being the, the head of the show and everybody, like hundreds at this point, it was kind of dying down. Um, but it was hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, on the server joining. In this case, it was typically in Freeport at the town. Where they'd all just center around. You could spawn a giant dragon and and <laughs> give it as many hit points as you wanted, and you could just what, like one of the craziest things, which was hysterical. Because imagine this: imagine you're playing a game and the NPCs don't talk. Like you're fighting an alligator on an island type thing. I could spawn myself as an alligator and walk around and talk uh, to them. <laughs> so I would freak people out that never had an encounter with the GM, where I'd be like. It would be like alligator colon. Hey, how's it going? And they, they just write a bunch of question marks, and like you could see the avatar, their 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 avatar just walking around like confused and more question marks. I'd be like, what? You never talked to an alligator before? And they'd be like, hello. <laughs> Tom, didn't you play EverQuest for a little while? I did for a little while. Yeah. Um. But I I was big on a lot of MMOs, so I played. You could name an MMO. I probably played it at least once. So. I bet you didn't play Vanguard. Vanguard. Oh, no, I didn't. All right, so I'm going to there. Uh, <laughs> Vanguard was, was supposedly the, the big follow-up to EverQuest 2 that Sony Online was working on, and they put so much time and resources in it and nearly bankrupted them, so they had to launch the game before it was ready, and so many people were bitching about it, and they're like, we just need to make something out of this game because there's so much into it, and that's the scary thing with MMOs is just it's such a huge investment that you, it's a dying breed. You don't see many MMOs joining the fray these days because yeah. it's just it's not worth the risk. Yeah. You really the ones don't. That are there already are very yeah. overpowering. You know, you got the RuneScape and the WoW, and you know what more do you need? Actually, Guild Wars Two. Yeah, I played that for five five or six years. Love that game. And then I know Sony Online Entertainment were working on Planet Side Two, and they were hoping that would be like the next major hit. And it was cool, yep. like I tried it, and it was a really cool concept, but I just don't think the game necessarily landed with people as much as they were hoping. I mean, that's the thing. It goes back to being such a hit-or-miss field. Um, they were so scared to diverge from the EverQuest brand because that was so successful that one of the mistakes they made was titling EverQuest 2 EverQuest 2. Like nobody wanted to play everquest 2 because like i put all this time into everquest 1 i'm not going to just start over on a new one they should have titled it something different but they were scared to stray from it so that actually i would say inhibited the success of everquest 2 they had i mean it felt like they were spitting out a new 
MMO every couple months. They had a uh, Enter the Matrix was another big one they were doing. Uh, they're doing another, I think it was Marvel Avengers or one of those comic book ones that was a big one that never came out until after they went under and was bought by someone else and then launched under something else now it's like a free-to-play game on playstation yeah i think with mmos like the business model relies so much on having a consistent player base because the whole point of the game is that nice interaction you have with such a big group of people so if it flops yeah. at launch and nobody plays it it's probably never going to take off and that's just terrifying for the developer right it was funny too uh, side story <laughs> everyone it was right when world of warcraft was getting big and working at sony with EverQuest, we had free online access to all the games. We could play as much as we wanted, free monthly access. And every time there was either like a, a break time or lunch or any or after work, people would instantly log off of what they were doing working on EverQuest and log on to World of Warcraft, which was the competitor. And I'm like, this is hysterical. Like, this should tell you that this company is going to go under because everyone working here is playing the competitor's game. <laughs> <laughs> and what do the executives say when they see that? Where they're like, well, like we need to start over or like, what, what do you think is going through their head? Not much was going through their heads. They were too busy and <laughs> caught up in their own. I, I mean, I could say a lot of things, but like some of the games they were pitching uh, I was like, I could tell you right now that's going to fail, but they didn't care to hear what we had to say. They were just so caught up in their own minds and what they do is right. You had a one hit wonder with EverQuest and you think everything you do is going to be gold now. So that's the difference with WoW is that you buy it once and then you just keep expanding. You buy the expansion, you don't have to change games yep. and it can keep people around for 10 or years at this point. Yeah. When I was playing, playtesting Cash Guns Chaos, um, I even said to the developers, I'm like, this game in its current state is not good. Here is what you need to do to make it good. Camera's way too close. Move the camera back. All the enemies just appear in front of you and start killing you. You can't see them. Back up the camera. And they didn't listen. I'm like, that is the that is the number one downfall. And it's not even that hard to fix. If you listen to the game testers telling you how to make the game work better, then it has a chance of success. But uh, the current release of it, it's still a manageable game, but it's just not it's not as good as it could have been if they had taken in all the input from the team. So I guess they kind of viewed you guys as not worth taking input from. I guess they already have their development team and who they take advice from. But if you're, they just, you're just a play tester, what do they know sort of thing? Even though you're like the consumer. Exactly, exactly. So what about your experiences working for, this is just right from a YouTube bio, and you were mentioning it earlier, EA, but also you have in your the YouTube bio Rockstar. What was it like working for those companies? So it was to a lesser extent. I never went on site to them. Um, it was more just remote interviewing and presenting candidates for them to go into. Because I worked at the temp agency that was hired by these companies to present candidates to them so that they didn't have to pay benefits. They didn't have to worry about laying people off. They didn't have to worry about uh, doing the payroll. All of that was through the temp agency. They just paid us a lump sum for it and we take care of everything. So for companies like EA and uh, other companies that were up in like the San Francisco area, it was more just uh, I would post ads on Craigslist, Monster, Indeed. Uh, LinkedIn wasn't really that big back then, and no, nor was that the caliber of people we were looking for anyways most of the time. Uh, and then I'd get responses. Sometimes, oh my God, sometimes I could write a book on some of the responses of how hysterically bad uh, people's resumes, or if you even want to call them that. I'll just tell the story. Like 
I would save some of them as Word document. I don't know if I still have them on my old computer, but like some of them were like uh, achievements. Um, I don't know why, but but dogs really like me. Uh, every time I pet them, they wag their tails. I'm like, this is on your resume. Like what? It was like serious. Like that's not an achievement. That's like that's a dog. What dogs do with people? Like, hey. But some of the people I was dealing with were not necessarily the highest level of IQ. They were just the lowest form of, of low, lowest caliber of person that's just like applying to flip burgers and they can't get that job. So they're like, oh, maybe I'll be a game tester. It's like, yikes, yikes, yikes. <laughs> uh, some days I w- would post uh, an ad for a game tester and we'll say for EA. I posted at 5 p.m. For the night, I'd come in the next day and load up my email, and I would have hundreds upon hundreds of resumes for three or eight open positions. And I would have to go through each resume to make sure that they're not like I was talking about, like that type of person. And then I'd filter them through to cut it down to, let's say, from like 300 resumes down to like 80. And then I'd go through each of those, and I would... uh go through contacting each one of them. I'd call them and have a brief interview over the phone just to be like, Hey, the pace sucks. Are you okay with that? Like I would be so real with people just like I am with my, my YouTube. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not even wasting my time. Look, the pace sucks. You sure you're okay with this? Uh, yeah, I, I need a job. Okay. You're going to be able to afford living in wherever you are, X, Y, Z at $10 an hour for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, I, I live with my grandma. Okay. Do you have transportation? Um, my grandma can drive me. Okay. That's a little sketchy. How do we know your grandma's going to be able to drive you every day? Uh, all these other things. So I'd have to go through like the most remedial, uh, just to make sure they're going to show up. Like, that was the, the biggest challenge. Just have people show up at a job that you give them. Like you would think people would, take it seriously but when you work in the recruiting industry for not the most prestigious positions you deal with people and you realize why they don't have a job it's because they don't show up to jobs when they get them (laughs) and those were the winning resumes those were the ones that you called that's half the battle (laughs) it was like 90 percent of the battle i mean the people that show up you have I to didn't think, care about like, anything else. It's <laughs> like, can you show up? Can you play video games? And, and are you somewhat good at them? Like, that's really awesome. <laughs> and yet you had to knock out 95% of the, the, the resumes and the candidates. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah like when you include, like, dog, dog affection on your resume, it's like, what do you not include on your resume? If that's, like, your <laughs> highlight, then what do you, what do you not <laughs> say? And that's just the one that I remember, but there were so many, like, that's, that's not even the outlier. Like, there were so many like that, like, I'm just like, I, I almost gave up faith in human species working that job. I, I tied my shoe <laughs> under 30 seconds. That's a yeah. for me. <laughs> I guess it really, really does attract the, like, the, I'll just say the dumbest people when it's like, I can play video games and make money. I think I'll do that. And they don't think about it. They don't know but what they're I, doing. I will say, I will say the people that I work with aren't that bad because yeah. those were the winning ones that were actually like somewhat 
competent and and had a good head on their shoulders. Uh, but all the people that these recruiters go through to get to those people are you don't hear about that. That's the the the, the scary part of recruiting. <laughs> I do feel like you need to be somewhat intelligent and just good at video games and just understanding things to be a good play tester. You're like, oh, what if I do this thing to make it, try to break the game? It's not you know sometimes it's not easy to break a game. And uh, so I'm not trying to say that all playtesters are dumb, but I can I see why it attracts the dumb ones, though. They don't actually think about it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's an important job in the development process. You know, mm-hmm. you, if, a game's going to come out super buggy if it's not properly tested. So you need good testers who have critical thinking skills that know, like, these are the things I should apply to the game to see if I can break it, like you were saying, Sean. You need, like, people mm-hmm. who, like, think about games uh, at a critical level. So. Oh, I said to my boss when I was working at Sony, I'm like, I'm like, I love doing this. Don't get me wrong, but the pay is terrible. Like, why do they barely pay us anything? And he already said to me, he goes, it, nobody cares if you do this or not, because there's a thousand other people out there waiting in line to do it. And I'm like, you're right. You know, there's there really are a lot of people that are just willing to do this for less. So so why should they pay more? Because it's not like the quality of person they're going to get is going to be that much better when it comes to just playing a game to find out what's wrong with it. He goes, you want to make money in QA, go work for a bank. Nobody wants to run numbers all day. Like that'll, that'll make you more money because you're just staring at numbers all day and making sure they don't make errors on that. So, yeah, makes sense. Supply and demand for the people. I guess so. Right. So then did that kind of um, turn you off from the gaming industry for a little while? Because I know, like some people, when they they say they work in an industry for a while, it doesn't matter what it is, they get kind of turned off after seeing like what goes on behind the scenes. Did that kind of make you push away from gaming for a little bit, or did you were you still as passionate for it when you first started? A couple of different ways to answer that. Like while I was game testing, I didn't play video games at all outside of work because when you're holding a controller for eight to 12 hours a day, depending on crunch time and overtime. The last thing you want to do is go home and pick up a controller. Like it's, it's almost has an adverse effect of, of gaming at that point. So in a way, yeah, it did affect how much I loved gaming when I was actually working in it. It did kind of tarnish the magic of it a little bit. Um, but after, like I said, after I got the job in the for-profit school industry, I kind of, gravitated right back to it it's it's not something i could just like leave you know <laughs> still on the subject of gaming what do you think was one of your like favorite video games growing up and how did you get into like the retro games i'll answer the second question first i got into retro games because i'm the youngest of five boys in my family and all four of my older brothers had the game systems before i was even born in this world so i was born in 81 and I grew up with like a Tandy computer, uh, the IBM, and then the Atari 2600, and then the NES. And I can remember some of my earliest memories were going from the Atari to the NES and seeing Mario run across the screen just blew my mind. Like at that point, I was like five or six or seven years old, I was somewhere around there. It was like one of my earliest memories, I still remember where I was when I saw Mario moving across the screen. It was in my brother's room on this <laughs> tiny little TV. And I was just like, what? How? <laughs> That's impossible. We lost to that on the other system. So that that really was where I fell in love with gaming was just 
you know, always being around it when I was a kid. Uh, as far as my favorite games to play, it depends on the generation and what point in time you're talking about, because I've always played them since basically birth. But like, I mean, I, I went tooling around on the AS with the Game Genie and played the hell out of games like Super Mario 3 and experimented with it and like all the different stuff you can do with that all the way to uh, Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation, GoldenEye on the N64, I mean, Halo on the Xbox, and LAN parties. When my brother moved out uh, to a different uh, place, we'd set up LAN parties there. And man, like some of the best memories of my life were just playing that game for just hours on end with them. Before you were a game tester, you were testing the limits of games with the Game Genie and stuff. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that was actually one of the things when I was interviewing, that was one of the like points I would bring up because I, I like researched like what they're going to ask me and stuff. And I was like, oh, I got to find out like some bugs to speak to that I found in my own life that I can say, hey, when I was playing this game, I found this, that, the other thing. Uh, and of course, the person I was talking to, she didn't even play video games. So she was like, all right, cool. You know something. <laughs> wow. She didn't even play <laughs> games. That's crazy. <laughs> Compared to the candidates you were telling us about, I'm sure that like blew them away because you came in prepared to answer oh, yeah. questions, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like looking, looking back at it, I, I showed up like 45 minutes early to my interview. I was like ridiculously like prepared for it. And looking back, I like laughed because I'm like, they didn't even care. They're just like, yeah, sure. You, you have a cop. You play video games? Great. Got it. <laughs> so this was um what year did you start applying for these game tester positions was it like early 2000s uh 2006 to 2007 right before the ps3 launch but i i like the your story though because i actually had a similar experience not to a le to a lesser degree where i have uh I, I have a bunch of older siblings i'm number five out of eight and uh okay we didn't we didn't have all the new stuff yet so video games i first started playing is like the n64 and the original game boy color because they had those uh when they were kids and i think you get more of an appreciation for the games that come out once you start playing the older stuff and even though the stuff i was playing isn't even considered that old to most people but uh i, I like that whole idea of playing the previous stuff and then going into the new stuff and it's kind of mind-blowing what happens you first got the gamecube that was a new experience the GameCube was my college experience. Mm. Like that was Smash Brothers all day, every day with a group of people every day. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that that's currently something I'm I'm struggling with as a a father now. Um, my now seven year old boy, he's all about like Minecraft and watching Mr. Beast gaming, and I, I've avoided introducing him to Fortnite as best I can. But he's he's watching all these newer games. And I'm I'm trying my best not to be the old man on the porch with his cane shouting <laughs> on getting off my lawn, but I'm like, I don't know how to. It's a challenge to get him to appreciate uh, the older games because they don't walk you through it like the newer ones do, and they're a little bit more rough around the edges. Like he'll watch the original. Mar he knows Super Mario Brothers, like he gets it, but he's just like he's he's easily bored with it. So. Maybe that's something that just comes in time. I can't force it, but it's a, it's an interesting challenge that I'm dealing with as a father right now that I never thought I'd have. I used to have this this idea in my head that I, I would have my kid and I'd introduce him to all these in order and go through all the <laughs> games. Like, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not as organic as you think it's going to be. It's got to it's gotta happen 
progressively, you know? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a cluster for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially with the internet, too. He could just Google, ooh, what is the Xbox Series X? And all of a sudden, he sees these next-gen graphics and all the stuff, and then he's going to go to Mario 64. And obviously, to us, you know, it's an iconic game. But to someone who doesn't know any better, and he's still learning a lot of stuff, he's going to be like, that game looks old, so that must not be good, you know? <laughs> like That's got to be a challenge. The other challenge, too, with that is being the YouTuber that I am and and keeping up with the Joneses as best I can and getting, I do get a lot of free game codes, especially from indie developers on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm, I'm constantly playing new games and it's constantly what he sees. So it's very challenging to be like, okay, pull you away from all this brand new, cool looking stuff to look at this old stuff. You know, it's just a challenge I never thought I'd have. Yeah. I mean, I think probably once he gets older and he gets more of like a nuanced uh, perspective on games in general because right now he's just playing what's fun because he's young but maybe once he gets older he'll be, be able to appreciate more the classic stuff and then you could show him that once he's you know ready for it right now he's just kind of like yeah. oh i like minecraft i like mr beast he's cool so it's like yep. and that, that's i think that's normal at seven i mean i like mr beast now so i don't know what that says about me <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not normal <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Since we were just on the topic of Smash before, uh, I wanted I was wondering where did the name Smash D- JT come from? Because it looks like it's similar to the original Super Smash font, so I'm assuming it's related to that. So interesting enough, my original channel name was Cash Guns Chaos, which was the game that I tested. And I was talking to my buddy, it was right when I was starting up YouTube, it was like a New Year's resolution. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a YouTube channel. I've always talked about it. I'll make a New Year's resolution. I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Oh, wait, I need a channel name. Uh, So I I just kind of was like, oh, I tested Cash Guns Chaos. That'll be my channel name. And I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, I, I don't know if I love it. I'm like, why? He's like, it's got the word guns in it. And I don't know if you want, you might be dealing with a crowd of people that might be, that just might, that might hurt you with the search term people are super fragile these days that kind of, i'm like yeah you're right you know it's it's a little bit too harsh and also you got to worry about like the off chance that my channel ever did blow up then you worry about like ip stuff and if they're going to come after you and make you change the channel name anyways and and that's all my buddy told me all this stuff i was like oh my god i didn't think about any of that you know whatever he's like yeah try to think of a different name you know because i don't think that's going to be good and i was like yeah you're right and I was thinking about it for a couple of days and I came around to Smash JT because Cash Guns Chaos was basically a modern day take of Smash TV. Like it was a top down bullet hell, uh, kind of like a bigger room than Smash TV. And I was like, oh, maybe I can play on the name of Cash Guns Chaos and use Smash TV. I was like, oh, I'll just use my initials instead of TV, and that'll hopefully be enough of a differentiation from a IP and make it my own thing and still relate to video games and has a strong name, like a, a powerful name to it. I was like, I like that. I'm going to go with that. I told him that. He's like, that's awesome. So has a reason for the name is because it's loosely based off of the first game that I tested, and it incorporates my initials to it, and it's a video game. And it just sounds cool. I like it. <laughs> right. It is cool. And I guess that's why the, um, yeah, is that's why the JT looks like it's kind of in a TV screen. Because it's like, yep. 
Yeah, that's okay. Oh, cool. there you go. That's awesome. my, initial, my initial logo was like complete ripoff of Smash TV. Like I just like copied and pasted the Smash TV logo and like blurred out the TV and wrote JT. And my buddy's like, that's, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I got a original logo loosely based off of it. So it's enough distinguishable so that it can't be hot, hopefully, by anything. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I'm far from being a lawyer, though. <laughs> I think it's um, it's under fair use. I'm sure. Oh, it looks yeah. original. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's original. It's insp- inspired. It's not ripped off. So it's like yeah, right. Yeah, I think right. that's fair. I'm also not a lawyer. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. To go off that though, Smash JT is everyone. I feel like a lot of YouTubers have like something iconic about them. Like for example, Review Tech USA has the cucumber. You have the hammer, the Smash JT hammer. What's the story behind that? Uh, as I call it, the mallet. Um, yes, the Smash JT hammer is, uh, that was born from, I don't want to say desperation, but it was born from more of a, what I was doing on my channel wasn't working. And I wanted to try to think of a new idea to maybe get attention. And I honestly thought it would work out a hell of a lot better than it did. It, it kind of failed in a weird way, um, but I don't regret it because I learned a lot from it. But during a spat of time, I, I researched it thoroughly on getting a gigantic, like real world battle weapon mallet made. Nobody does it. You can't buy them pre-made like they're specialty only. Uh, and you have to basically commission it from a professional. So I researched online and nobody, nobody made them like nobody. You would think that a giant, like comical sized mallet would be something that people could make. Apparently a lot more work goes into it than you would think. I found a guy that made something on a do it yourself channel once that was like a smaller mallet, but still bigger than the ones you can buy. And I contacted him via email on the DIY website. I was like, Hey, I'm a YouTuber. And I love the mallet you made. I'm wondering if I could commission you to make the biggest mallet you could possibly make that is still functional by a human being. And he's like, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting request. That was ever. <laughs> I was like, uh, he's like, what do you need it for? Just, just curious. And I'm like, I want to break stuff. He's <laughs> like, Fair enough, fair enough. So he, he was like, okay, how about this size for this price? It ended up being, I think, uh, it was like 350 or $400. Uh, and the guy was up in San Francisco. So also like with shipping and stuff, I think it was like four or $450 to get it. And it took like a month and a half. But I have it on my other computer. And I initially was thinking of, making like a special episode talking about it but he sent me the entire video footage of him creating the mallet from start to finish and it is like magical like how much work went into what he did is insane because it just looks like a piece of wood with a a cylinder at the end it's like no 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 there's way more effort that went into it uh and i mean the thing is heavy it's like 35 40 pounds could wow, legit kill I didn't somebody. realize it was that heavy. Oh, yeah. oh no, it, it, yeah, it, it'll break anything. Like, <laughs> would you have to do to make it stay on your wall? <laughs> so does it come uh, off? I, I mounted it with with clips into the studs, 
So it's it's in there good, but I have a couple of videos that show me like dislodging it to go like on my um, PlayStation Classic review. Uh, I smashed the PlayStation Classic, which was an expensive video because that's right when that came out. And it was like a hundred and something bucks after tax to get that. And I made a really I, I was proud of that video. I did a good job with it. The YouTube algorithm thought differently. And that video <laughs> fell flat on its face. Yeah, I was just saying I was fortunate, too, because the PlayStation Classic was such a bomb of a console and i'm like man i nailed it with this video like literally nailed it um but i got it and i did like a angry video game nerd-esque take on why i hated it and i started going nuts on it then i started destroying it and i'm like i like this video it did really well like after editing and, and, and rendering and putting it together i was like that's it worked it worked and then i published it and it just didn't go anywhere and that's that's unfortunate about youtube like that video along with many other videos, kind of reinforce the lesson, which people take the lesson a different way. Some people try harder, whereas I try less hard. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I, don't have, I don't have the mentality. I'm too ADD to, to try harder and work on more edits and make them even better if they're just going to fall flat on the face. I just can't take that. So otherwise, now, uh, in turn, I'm going to just shoot videos just fucking and just give my perspective of things. And of course, those get views because reality makes no sense. Yeah, it's really interesting how you have these high production value videos that people make. And then you have people who just, they point a camera and they're just talking for 10 minutes rambling and those get more views. It's so crazy how that happens. And I used to get so frustrated. I mean, hell, sometimes I still do. It's only natural to, to compare yourself to others. Uh, and I used to really... I don't want to say get bitter, but it was just one of those. I'm like, I feel like it's going to sound so cocky to say this, but it's the truth. It's like, I feel like my video is better than their video and their video is getting tens of thousands of views. And my video is getting like 112, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating. And it's just one of those things that you have to keep at it and just, you know, put your head down and just keep going. Don't worry. If you get caught up in other people's success, it will negatively impact you as a creator and make you not want to keep going because you're like, what's even the point? There's people doing what I do and they're doing they're they're getting more views, even though I feel like it's not as good as me. What's the point for me to keep going? You gotta realize why you do it in the first place. And that's why I keep going back to this is my outlet to talk about video games. So no matter how frustrated I get, no matter how bitter I am, it's like I'm still going to come back to it because ultimately I love talking about video games with people. Sometimes I'll invoke drama on my channel. Sometimes the reason is because I enjoy the topic one and two because it brings views. And it's funny. People get mad at you for covering drama. They think you're being fake. It's like these are the same people that subscribe to you for the drama and then we'll watch your video game content videos. Right, so right. you don't even see it themselves of what, what they're doing and they get mad at you. It's like you got to find whatever edge you can to to get in and, and, and make your brand known. And, and sometimes it's out of desperation and sometimes you can make yourself look bad doing it. But whatever, at the end of the day, just make sure you're not regretting it and make sure you're still having fun with it which i am yeah and then the thing too about the drama videos that you make is that they're not unrelated to your channel like you we're gonna we're talk about it a little bit but the intelligent amico you play tested it you talked to tommy you interviewed him 
And it only made sense that when you have people online criticizing the console without even touching it, making literally making stuff up about it, when people were attacking Rich after Rich interviewed Tommy Tellerico on his show, it only makes sense that you're going to bring it up. So I don't understand why people get frustrated when you talk about that stuff because it's all related to gaming too. It's funny because sometimes viewers are worse than creators when it comes to gatekeeping. Like they'll be like, you can't talk about this. That's not what your channel does. Like, Tell me what my channel is. Your my channel. Cha- you want to do what you want to do your own goddamn channel if you want to do what you want to do. So like, what? They're like, well, I'm going to unsubscribe if you keep doing Okay, bye. Like, what? Yeah. It's like, you're not anyway. making this for Joe Blow in Nebraska. I'm doing it because I want to talk about this. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. People are out of their minds. It makes no sense. And especially because a lot of times, like the drama videos, for example, if some people, if like you said, some people subscribe for that and then they watch the rest of your videos. So sure, if you lose that one faithful fan in Nebraska, you're probably gaining a lot more elsewhere. So 100%, 100%. It's why drama is always going to be a part of YouTube. Like YouTube can try to curb it as much as they want. Then you can, if you're smart with how you discuss drama, then it's not really drama. It's talking reality. And and people can take it as drama, but that's on them. Listen, I'm the guy who also I click on drama stuff every now and then. It's just like ah, I feel bad, but you know what? I kind of want to know what's going on, and <laughs> it's alluring. I I totally get it, and it definitely. Oh, I've had it's a lot of views. Had a lot of uh, conversations with uh, some of my patreons, and they're like, we don't care what you do, and honestly, I don't like the drama, but I still watch them because. I can't help myself. I'm curious. I want to know what's going on and you have the information so I can get it from you. So it's like, those are the people that I really take to heart on what they say because they're like, they're giving money to me. So I'm like, okay, this person (laughs) truly cares about the direction of my channel. Let me actually listen to them as opposed to some rando on the internet that that oftentimes I've learned uh, are so defensive of their own creators that they love that they will try to tear down creators that they don't know and not to say i'm perfect by the way god i've made <laughs> I've, I've made plenty of mistakes and i've made plenty of uh i, I say things i wish i didn't do but at the same time it's youtube like it, i can't take it that seriously like whatever i i did it and it didn't resonate okay like Moving on, <laughs> you yeah. can't get bogged down in it. Especially when you have other stuff outside of YouTube that you need to work on. For me personally, having a family, two kids, a wife, full-time job, trying to uh, deal with a worldwide pandemic, like, yeah, YouTube, I'm, I do it for fun. Trust right. Me. It's a hobby. It's fun. It's not meant to like when I see these these YouTube channels, it doesn't matter who it is, like, oh, let's talk about what, you know... X person said in this video, I disagree with him and he's an idiot and stuff. It's like, do you really have nothing more to worry about than be concerned about what one guy says in one second in one video? Which is, it's so crazy to me. Well, you have to, you have to, you're taking the perspective of the viewer with that standpoint. You have to remember as a creator, taking the standpoint of creator, they're doing it for the views and the attention and that's what draws them and it works. It truly works. Yeah. Do they really ultimately care that much about one person? No, they no. don't. <laughs> and they'll make fun of other people for doing stuff for views. And it's like you're literally making fun of this person doing stuff for views and you're making a video <laughs> for views like on that <laughs> person. In terms of like the positive stuff about 
making YouTube videos and creating content. What is your favorite part of the process of making these videos? Just knowing that I can talk about what I love talking about and have a conversation with people that care about it, a similar thing that I care about. Like what keeps bringing me back to it? Like I've said like multiple times in this, like I really love talking about video games. And it's funny too, because I'm, 38 i think yeah i don't know how old i am I, I turned 39 in a couple months and i'm wondering like will this ever change will i will i ever not have that feeling that drive and it's like well for 39 years on this planet almost i've i've felt this so i i guess i should assume i'll stay the course i might have my ups and downs where I won't play as many games one month as I do the next month, but that's just life in general. Anybody that plays games all day, every day, without any kind of breaks, it's it's no life for for anyone, in my opinion. That's I mean, you gotta you gotta balance everything. I just want to comment on that too, but I think that's what makes uh like your videos very alluring is that you don't you know you're doing it for fun, and you can you I think you can tell when a creator's having fun with their content, not forcing it out. They're not like looking to um have huge success and if they don't have it they're upset you're, you're just doing it because you want to despite the reaction or despite what happens and it really shows in the videos from what i've seen so far so i really appreciate how you take creation thanks that really means a lot i appreciate it and i'm not gonna lie like i've i've even said it in some videos where i've been caught pressing myself where i make videos that i'm like i literally only made that video for trying to hit on something that i'm like I need to remind myself, that yes, I make videos for attention. That's not a bad thing, by the way. That's okay. But I need to make videos for attention that I care about, that I have a passion about. Like I had so many people tell me I need to cover uh, Linity or so many people tell me I need to cover Shane Dawson or whatever. Like I don't give a damn about these people. Why would I cover that? Like that's not and, – and, and that's why I know I'm not going to ever blow up to be one of these big channels because – those are what that's what these big channels do is they focus on the trendy topics of what to talk about all the time. And that's to me, that's exhausting. Like, unless I truly care about it, which maybe someday I will, you know, just myself the out in case I ever do blow up and this gets hot. Maybe someday I will care about it. But right now, that's not what I am. And ever since I started YouTube, that's never I started YouTube with doing top ten lists of my favorite NES games uh, or talking about my favorite super nintendo soundtracks like it, it literally the, the the stuff people make that is like the anti view getter this day and age on youtube that's what i was doing and then i learned along the way that oh i need to actually give a perspective that's unique but you can do with those kind of videos but people aren't actively searching those out from no-name channels you need to do stuff that people will search out from a no-name channel which tends to be drama they don't care who's spitting it as long as someone's talking about it, they'll eat it up and if they like that person enough they'll subscribe and watch their other content hopefully it's like you know what you have to do to get to that level but it's kind of soul crushing to do it and it's not <laughs> who you want it like what's the point of doing it if you're not enjoying it anyway like i've seen i i made a video on it before too not uh, nobody's perfect uh, i'll be the first to say but like i i literally caught pewdiepie lying about pro jared where there was a clip of, of pewdiepie on stream where they were talking to him about pro jared is like i don't i don't know who that is i don't know, I don't know who pro jared is and then like literally the next day he made a video talking about how he's watched pro jared for a while and how he's surprised i'm like 
So I made a video putting splicing those two things together. I'm like, that's interesting because yesterday he said he's never watched Pro Jared, and now here he is saying he's watched him for a while. So that's not really genuine. You know, that's mm-hmm. and, and that's when I realized that even the most biggest channels out there are still chasing the views and still will say what they need to say. And people will forgive them or don't care. Like, people don't care about the truth. They really don't. They just want to be entertained. And once creators realize that reality, it's you have a decision to make as a creator. Do you go for the views and and don't care? Or do you still have a conscience when you do things and and still try to provide the truth, knowing that people don't care about the truth anyways, you know? Yeah, it's it's wild. It really is wild. Yeah, and I and I think that's why you're kind of in a healthy place where you have other focuses like your family and you have a full time job. So you can like you can kind of disconnect yourself from that. Oh, I got to pursue just views because it's not like you're you're doing this for a hobby. So you you can pursue what you find to be like worth talking about. And you can still hold on to that integrity with because you don't have to pursue the views because you have other things to focus on, too. hundred percent. And I agree with Sean. I think it comes out in your videos. I think it's I, I've I've just started watching because Justin just introduced us to it. But um, I I can tell that you have like I, I feel I feel like a good a good vibe, you know, from your channel. I, I under I recognize that I think you actually care about the topics you're talking about. And now talking to you, I, I see I, that come through. I appreciate that because there's there's a lot of things that I could talk about, a lot of things that interest me a little bit, but I'm like, does that interest me enough to do a video on it? Really? Like that's where I gotta. I, I if I was doing this full time and I was making good money off of it, then yeah, there'd be a hell of a lot more videos I'd be making that I like enough to do videos on. But right now, my video is my my channel is just so. I don't want to say an afterthought because it's not. I do put a lot of effort into it, but it's not my main goal in life. It's not my priority right now. It used to be when I got laid off at Qualcomm and I started my channel and thought I could go somewhere with it. Then I was like, okay, I can do this full time and I can make money on it. And I can, uh, I can cover video game news and trending topics and give my perspective. But good Lord, that is a flooded market. A lot of established channels that are already doing that. And and you're going to run into uh, their fan bases attacking you for the sole reason of you're covering what they're covering and they don't want competition. It's it's a weird back, back end of YouTube that I never knew existed before being a creator. Fans out there are really, really loyal and really angry about it. I know it's like... You oh, yeah, I know. I mean, I'll make, I'll make a video on just last week. I did it like four days ago or five days ago, I made a video on the uh, Xbox presentation, the game showcase, and I was blown away by it. I was like, this is amazing. And there were other channels out there that were like, yeah, it was really good. You know, they did a, a good showcase of these games. And my video, if you look at likes, dislike, I have 90 dislikes and 80 likes. And these other channels that literally have the same take, same opinion, everything I've said, and they have like 10 dislikes and like 3,000 likes. And I'm like, as impartial as I can be removing myself from that situation, trying to look at each creator on their own. I'm like, I did, I would say I did better than them, but I'd say I did as good as them or pretty damn close to it. And I'm getting dislike bombed because I'm not popular. Like another thing that I'm just like dealing with right now with YouTube. It's like, 
I don't like that. I don't let that stuff affect me, but I do find it very interesting psychologically with wh- how people are. I don't want to say sheep, but people are very easily led and misled based off of who they are just committed to. It's just yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I actually want to jump to talk about like one of the bigger things that we were here before is the, uh, the Amico, right? Cause you had the hands-on experience of it. You got to use it before. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Like, what are your thoughts on it? Cause none of us have been able to actually like touch the thing yet. We don't, we don't know. And it's related too, because you know, you had all these channels come out of the woodwork saying, Oh, you like the Amico? What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, right. like we got even our little channel here <laughs> had these random comments on it and dislikes saying another Tommy Shill, like you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the video. So, really we, we have like two hundred views. So it's like, where do these people come from? They woke up like it was literally not even like a day when I made that channel because I put everything on Spotify first and then in June I put everything to YouTube just to give people another option to watch it. And then we, as soon as I uploaded these, all of these dislikes and comments came in saying, Tommy Tell Rico shows like, do people really go on YouTube and search Tommy Tell Rico and dislike everything he says? Like, it's crazy. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it's, it's related in the same way. They're looking for drama. They, they do, by the way, they do. They, they literally like, and the other problem with that is the way the YouTube algorithm works, it, it also works negatively too, where if someone hates Amico, but they always go to the Amico videos and dislike them, the algorithm is going to continually pump the Amico videos in front of their face, even if they're not searching for them. Right, It's right. It's kind of a YouTube problem, too, that they need to address. Like, the algorithm should take into account, if this guy keeps disliking this shit, probably shouldn't keep pumping it in their face. <laughs> yeah. But YouTube knows, YouTube knows that, that hatred is such a driving force. There is money to be made there from their perspective. So they don't care. They'll they'll talk all the time about how they're trying to make YouTube a better environment. No, they, don't, they care about making sure the advertisers are still paying. The shield thing cracks me up. Um, and this is one of those things. It's, it, it's a much bigger deal when you learn that it's not the shield that's the problem. It's you need to learn when you're a creator to stand what you say and stick to your guns on stuff people are going to try to knock you down they're going to try to punch your ideas and and make you feel worthless and that you're stupid that you have a dumb take whatever and it's funny because oftentimes it's just because people are like i said they're they're blind sheep just following what bigger creators say instead of hearing what someone says and making up their own mind and i the reason why i say that is because just stepping away from the amigo for a second the the ex xbox presentation last week that i was talking about i have so many people dislike bombing me for that because i had an opinion that's saying i liked what they showed i don't think halo looked that bad i'm sticking my guns on it i don't i don't care what these people are saying about an image floating around online that it's a brute looking bad i'm like yeah it's a it's a frame of a blurry image of a screen moving on a on a low res video feed like what do you expect it's gonna look like like come on now the reason why i bring that all up is because if you want to say shilling for the amico it's like no i just i enjoyed my experience with it and i i want to speak to that here when i went up to see tommy craziest like life experience that i'll take with me uh, forever uh, spending the day with him 
realizing that his passion for the Amico stems from his true passion in gaming, it doesn't look like it's a uh, let's do this for the money type thing. Like, obviously, yeah, they want to make money on it, but it's coming from a place of passion, not a place of business. I think that's a really important distinction to make. Do I know it's going to be successful based off my time? No, I don't. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I don't. I, I played a very early version of it. Uh, the controllers I did hold, but I didn't use them because they weren't syncing to the uh, console at the time. So I, we used our phones and connected the phones with them. And it worked fine. They had these little, he already announced them so I can talk about them now. They got these patent pending thumbsticks that you can, with a plunger, you can stick on your phone and, and use it just like it's a controller. It worked. That looks so cool. Yeah, and it worked. It was fine. It was perfectly fine. I have plenty of concerns with the Amico. I've I've aired that many times. People seem to ignore, choose to, uh, what do you call it, selective hearing when they think that I'm shilling for it. It's like, no, I don't know if it's going to be fine. There, there are uh, concerns I have, one being are the games going to be worth it for people? Is there going to be enough of an audience that want that when there are competing systems out there like the Nintendo Switch, which in Tommy's opinion is not the same audience that's the Amico. Okay, we will see though. We will see. We, we don't know. You know, like there are things that we don't know, especially with the competition on the eShop, with the eShop sales right now and the price of the Amico being $200 currently or somewhere around that, the same price of a, a Switch Mini um that you can get extra joy cons for if you want to play around like it's just it's got to a lot to prove it's got to prove itself and i feel like it's got a fighting chance and i like the idea of a new company entering the ring and i like the idea of more competition and i like the idea of being a smaller company being more agile to change and being able to to do things and take risks that these bigger companies can't do when it comes to making games or, or doing something weird in a game and not worrying about uh, if it's going to ruin them or not because they, they're just bite-sized experiences. So there's a lot of positives with it too. And when I played it, I'm like, I, it all came together. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm on board. I am excited about this. I did not get a free Amico from Tommy Tellerico. I put my money where my mouth is. I put my money on a down payment for it because I want to see what this is like. Personally, I'm excited. I want to review the system and tell people when I have it in my hands what my real feelings are now that it's released. Is it worth it? Like, is it? Uh, but I will say my initial impression was it changed my mind when I first heard about the amico i was like oh god this is just a money grab it's another console that we don't need it's just it does phone games it does stuff who cares about this just get a switch the more i've researched it the more i've realized that there after seeing it in person with tommy as well i realized that there is a potential market for this it's not as big as the big three but that's okay you don't need to have five percent of that market you don't even need to have one percent of that market you could have 0.2 percent of that market and you're doing well you know like it's it's one of those situations and, and with tommy on board after seeing his passion for gaming and his experience with games personally i have a lot of faith in him to be able to pull this out and and i think it's funny to me 
that there are people like Pat and Ian that will not go up and see it when the offer's on the table. They'd rather just continue to bash it and, and make things up about it. And don't they live only they live only half hour away from him or something like that, right? They they live down the street for their I know I know exactly I'm not gonna say it I don't want to dox them here, but I no, know the of part not. of town that <laughs> I'm in San Diego. They're in San Diego. I know what part of town they're in. It's not that far. <laughs> it's not too far from me. And I drove up to see Tommy. So if I can drive up to see Tommy, it was like an hour drive. It's not that bad, you know? So it's just, it's, it's funny to me. They, I, like I said in one of my drama videos, like they are using this as an excuse to be able to get views off of it just by degrading the system and talking trash about it. And that's really unfortunate. Tommy's trying really hard with this. He's he's putting a lot of effort, a lot of money, and a lot of people are backing and working on it. And just to have some lowlife just continually bash it without actually investigating it whatsoever outside of just reading forum posts, it's just that's not okay with me. That's that's not cool. Yeah. Especially someone who's into retro gaming. Absolutely. Like, yeah, they're hoping that this is just another like Cleco Chameleon and it just flops. I, I mean, look at the people that Tommy's hiring. Like he just hired um, Jay Lard. Yeah, he was the yeah from from Microsoft who worked on launching Xbox Live. Like he has a lot of big industry names in, at his company, and he has someone who worked on like the Mars rover project, working on it or something, and like someone who worked on yeah, a yeah, nuclear yeah, yeah. sub. Like yeah, <laughs> which is like, super random. But when, I went, when I went to yeah. when I went to Tommy's house, I saw his passion for gaming. And then from his house, took his Ferrari. Pat and Ian love to rag on me for taking a Ferrari like, like you wouldn't. Get in a <laughs> I saw Ferrari. that. Yeah, I saw that in your video. His, yeah, I'll, and I'll take it again next time I go up to see Tommy too, and I won't have any regrets about it because it's awesome. Um, but we went to Intellivision headquarters, and I met the people in person. This is pre-COVID. This is before everyone worked from home. Like this is going in, meeting the people that worked on like the original. B-52 bomber, meeting people that have worked on the original uh, in television hardware from back in the day, and they all still share the same passion. They want to recapture that from the gaming era that is seemingly gone now with what they're offering on today's games. So, I get it. Like, they're, they're there. It exists. The console exists. The company is real. Like, one of my biggest concerns before going up there was, is this even real? Is this just a shadow, uh, an empty shell of a company that they're pretending? Like, no, there are real people on the ground working on this at a headquarters in the Los Angeles area. It's really cool. That's exciting. And it's just so weird. After after I found all that out, it completely changed my mind. Okay, this is a legitimate operation. These people have a lot of passion. And this thing is happening. Now let me see what it could present to the end users okay i see a demographic for it why are people hating on this like if it's not for you that's fine but just spouting hate to spout hate on it i don't get that i don't get it i like you said it's the uh the coleco chameleon thing i made a video talking about exposing pat and Ian, pat especially where he basically admitted on a twitch stream 
someone shared the link to me. I couldn't believe it. Where he's like, yeah, I basically, I want this to be another Coleco Chameleon because last time we got a Coleco Chameleon situation, I had a huge influx of Patreon because everyone was so happy that I was right saying I saved them money and it was an awesome experience and all this other stuff. So he's hoping that this fails and turns into that for his own personal gain, which is just gross. It's gro like, that is gross disgusting. and evil. Yeah. yeah. To comment and on And then that. the people defending him, knowing the truth and still defending him, is just mind-boggling to me. But whatever. People, people will do what they'll do. <laughs> to, to just comment on that. I, I, I personally, I'm very skeptical about the Amigo, but one thing I can say is that uh, Tommy is obviously very proud of everything he's doing. Like, he's not hiding his process. Like, he's taking people, he's showing them the team, he's showing them the product, he's showing them everything. He's very transparent. I would argue, let me, let me interrupt real quick. Yeah, go for it. I would argue that he, I would argue he's showing people too much. Too much. Because the more he shows people, the more they pick them apart. And it's kind of like, this is why companies like Nintendo don't say crap about anything until it's available. Because they know, they already know that the, the community is a bunch of so negative, toxic gamers out there that just want to see everything fail. Um, but I do get it from Tommy's perspective that he he needs to make a name for himself. He needs to get this product out there. Tommy is a marketing guy too. I it's it's true he is, but he doesn't hide that fact. Like he'll tell you straight up, yeah, I want to market this. I want people to know about it. Is how is that a bad thing? Like I don't I don't get that'd be like that'd be like hey guys. I want to market my YouTube channel. Oh my God. Self-promotion. Get out of here with that. It's like, that, why, why is it bad? I make videos. Check them out after listening to this podcast. How is that bad? Like, yeah, I don't that's get the it. idea. <laughs> you get more exposure. <laughs> People check out your channel. Right. Oh, I like these videos. Or like, oh, look, some someone might have known about the Amico. Oh, this looks cool. Let's check it out. Not to rip of the shreds. The fact that they were offered a chance to test the thing that they've been ragging on for so long and they refuse that just means that they they're not respectable their opinion doesn't matter because they're only ever going to have the opinion of this is going to bomb because they want it to bomb and they got a chance to prove themselves wrong and they couldn't take it the thing that blows my mind about that is like literally my video um it had the uh, content cop picture on it that was basically exposing the truth of what pat is doing here and it's getting a ton of dislikes. I'm like, the truth, you can choose not to believe it and get mad at me, but it's the truth. Like, and it goes back to me telling you guys earlier, people don't want the truth. They just want to be entertained. You know, that's that's the reality of what YouTube is. The truth helps. It, it, it makes people care to be entertained, but it's not the focus. And I think that's what's truly sad about the state of youtube and and people might be listening to this be like oh that's not me that's not me i'm not saying everyone is like that i'm saying the average viewer it seems to be that they don't care about the truth as much as being entertained and trusting whoever they they have grown to love regardless of if that person is telling the truth or not and sometimes i'll give them this too sometimes the truth is in the eye of the beholder. And I try to give both sides of stories because sometimes both people are right based off of where they're standing. But in this case, that's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I find that um, I think 
a lot of times these viewers want to see their own truth, so they go to the sources that confirm what they believe to be true. So even if there's evidence that their truth isn't the actual truth, they, like you said, they dislike bomb that, and they're just like, well, I don't think that's true. And I think it, it kind of speaks volumes to the intentions of of Pat and Ian on their podcast and their show that they were given the, such an opportunity, like Sean, you were just pointing out, and they didn't take up take up the opportunity because imagine if they were right, how much fuel that could have added to their show. If they're like, oh, we played it, we picked it apart, here's what's wrong, but they were worried that they're gonna like it or they're gonna find good things about it, and then everybody's gonna be like, oh, what'd oh, you, what'd you, know, you see? What'd you, you see? What, you know what they're really worried about? From their what? perspective, I would think that they would go up there. They, I mean, they would hate it. Don't, don't get me wrong. They, no matter what, their their minds made up. But they would go up there. They'd be like, yeah, it, it is exactly what we thought it would be. It sucks. And they'd come back and make a podcast saying we actually went up there and saw it, and it sucks, and here's why. And then the Amico releases, and it's and it does gangbusters and sales, and everyone's loving it. How would that make Pat and Ian look? True. That yeah. would expose them for for how completely wrong they were about something. Whereas now they have an escape plan for if it does do well, they can say, oh, well, we never actually went up and saw it. We wish we should have now that we know. Well, if if, if Tommy actually gave us this information, we would have been able to make a more well-rounded. And they have that's just why. You got to think of it from a creator's perspective. It's 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 maniacal. It's evil. It's 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 messed up. It really is. Do you think that the Amico has a chance to do well and that people are going to really enjoy this thing? Because based off what you're telling us and from everything I've seen and heard, it sounds like it's a really fun system. And Tommy has a hand in every single game that's being developed too. So he's not going to flood the store with shovelware. So the games on there are going to be pretty good, I would think. I hesitate to be like oh yeah it's gonna be amazing it's gonna sell like i i think based off of just my experience in the industry and what tommy's doing right now with it i think it's going to sell very well initially when it launches and then i believe there will be a little bit of a lull which is normal because it's a brand new brand a brand new console a lot of people don't know about it. they don't know it exists i mean hell look at the nintendo switch it sold like angus at launch and then it had a huge lull and it was the nintendo switch and then it came back and it's been one of the best selling systems ever. So I think it's just a matter of time working on it, proving itself. And like I said, there's a lot that we don't know about it that could change in the future too. One of those being, uh, I think, I firmly believe key to the success of a system, people will disagree probably with this, but the key to the success of the system is having a game that want, makes people want to go get that system. And I think right now that's the biggest hurdle for the Amico is to have that game where everyone's like, oh, I need to get an Amico for that game. I don't see that game being a game like Shark Shark, which is fun. I played it, but I don't see that being a system seller per se. I think that's something that people would enjoy when they have the system. Uh, I think Tommy's biggest chance is with Earthworm Jim with that property. And I know they're making that game. And they have a chance to make that the icon, the mascot for the Intellivision Amico, which I would strongly recommend doing that with Tommy. We're putting Earthworm Jim's face on the Amico box art. Like, I think that would that would go a long way. Uh, currently not doing that. I never actually, just talking out loud right now, thinking out loud, I didn't actually tell Tommy that. But that's one of those things, it's, as far as I know, it's still not coming out for launch. It won't be ready at launch. 
So that might be a reason why. Yeah, he said 2021. Yeah, that's the thing. So that's another reason why I feel like there'll be a lull after the initial launch of this. And it will pick back up with Earthworm Jim. Maybe there'll be a, a shooting star with like a, a Wii Bowling that nobody expected to be the, the, the thing that they have to get the Wii for. That's the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle, the biggest unknown that nobody knows, not even Tommy knows. Uh, and there's no way he could because I don't think Nintendo knew Wii Bowling was going to sell 120 plus million Wiis, you know, like nobody could have predicted that. What was it like seeing Tommy Tellrico's house and touring his elusive collection of gaming merchandise? <laughs> Mind blowing. Did you, you watch the video I made on it? Yeah, I watched the, the whole video you made on it. Yeah. I called my brother, one of my brothers after it and told him about the experience. And he's, he's big into comic books. I was like, yeah, he's got an entire room dedicated to, to Spider-Man. He's wow. like, oh, that's that's awesome. I was like, yeah, he showed me his collection of Spider-Man comics. He has every single one ever printed from the original, like 130. He's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, why? He's like, he had he had the original Spider-Man, the first one. I was like, yeah, I held it. It was cool. He's like, do you know how much money that is worth? I'm like, nope, nope. I'm not gonna say it here, but I, it's a lot of money. And I held it in my hand and had no idea. Like, wow. <laughs> I like Spider-Man as much as the next guy, but. Tommy is just such a down-to-earth everyman. I didn't get the impression that he was trying to boast or show off. Like, even when I recorded him, I was like, I really want to do this for me. He's like, okay. He's like, I just, I don't want to come off like I'm showing off. He's like, truly, Jeff, I just, I just want to show this to you because I want to, I want to just express my passion for gaming with you before we go to Intellivision so you know where I'm coming from when we actually talk about the Amico. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. I, I will try my best to express that to my audience because you're definitely not that but you're not a cocky asshole you're not a uh i'm better than you type person if anything he 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 plays down how cool he really is i mean the guy the guy played in front of a, a guinness book world record amount of people in china for the video games live show and he had like guinness book of world record plaques on the ground at his house they weren't even up they were just like leaning against the wall i'm like what are these he's like oh those are just uh, i'm like no 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 let's look at these i wow. want to see these. that's crazy i didn't know that i didn't know that he he's got like all right yeah 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 he had five of them i was like damn he's like yeah it's just for video game live the the live tour i do with the guitar or the electric guitar and and uh how he did like the Pokemon theme song with the actual Pokemon theme song singer on oh, stage. Oh yeah, he talked like, about that with us. Yeah, so cool. He's got all the right things going for him and he loves gaming and he's worked with so many legendary people in the gaming industry and he's a legend himself in the gaming industry, like keeping it real. I'm at the point right now where I'm like, these people like Nian, which are the, 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 like those are the the perennial people you think of that are hating on, but there are plenty of people out there that are hating on it. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, you just want to piss on the grave of a console that hasn't even come out yet. Like, why? What? What are you benefiting from this? What? Go talk about something you like. You know, like why? <laughs> like, if it was a scam, I get it. Like, you want to warn people against it. I get it. You want to make a video explaining why you don't like something or why you don't think it's going to be successful. Okay, I'm even okay with that. But you've been gonna keep drilling into it on over and over and over again. Why? What are you getting out of this? This was a project started by like internal funds. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he would go to like 
I think he said shareholders or stuff like that, but that's like typical business. He's not asking the consumer to put down our own money without knowing about the console and says, invest in me. No, he's not doing that. He's asking for pre-orders because he wants to make sure with, you know, you get one in time for delivery and you don't have to buy it. He's not depending on us to make it happen. So I don't get it. I really don't understand it. I like Tommy as a person and, uh, from what I, from everything I've seen, he's he, I like the fact that he's not a bragger. He's like he's a sharer. He wants to share his things. He has a lot of stuff worth sharing. And uh, I don't know. It's hard to attack his character. Even after the videos I've made about him, I'm the kind of guy that I'd be like, okay, I'll go have a beer with you, dude. Like I don't I don't care. Let's let's bury the hatchet and talk about our differences. And he's the kind of guy that would just like laugh at that idea, like thinking it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'm like, I don't get it. Like. You just want to hate and you have so much anger and frustration and it's i i mean it's it is what it is i mean to each their own i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rag on him as as much as he rags on the amico <laughs> i will say in a way I, tommy probably wouldn't agree with this but it's beneficial to have a prominent character the detractor because it draws attention to it from his audience and makes people investigate. Is this the reality? Is it not? It's a controversy. Let's find out about this. And in a weird way, it I would say it has benefited the Amico getting the name out there. Almost daily, there's a video of a random person that just hates me for some reason, making a video about me, about why I suck so much. And I'm like, okay, good. More people find out about me through your haters. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah. they say? Any attention is good attention. So if, if people exactly. are talking yeah, about you, in effect, yeah. yeah. Maybe they're yeah. such good fans that they're helping you grow by hating on you. Could be. That's no. uh, next level right there. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think about the next generation of gaming? As someone who's worked in the gaming industry and seen the development of games, how do you think that the Xbox Series X and the PS5 are going to change the way that we play games? I'm going to say something controversial and say they are absolutely, completely unnecessary. Really? At the same time, I also think the 4K HD TV is completely unnecessary but it's still really cool and makes it such a great experience that it's hard to say no to so that's where i put these it's like for the longest time i was like we don't need this it's this upgrade generation console so soon and the graphics are incremental yeah ray tracing is cool and you can do so much more with the world tra traveling and the load times are, are nothing it's amazing but do we need that no, but do we need that 4K HDTV? No, but it's awesome. And that's I think that's where I'm at with it, you know? So so we don't need it, but it's awesome. Does that does that make sense? A lot of sense. That makes sense, yeah. We don't necessarily need to have mind-blowing graphics for the games to be fun. That's kind of where you're coming from? Exactly. Uh, yeah, and at the same time, I'm not going to knock on better graphics just because it's better graphics. Like, what kind of argument is that? No, better bring on the better graphics. Great. But I don't need them, you know? <laughs> right, no, for sure. Them. And one of the things I was surprised of, and I know you were mentioning this earlier, Smash JT, in, in your Xbox video I saw recently, is that the thing that nobody was complaining about when we saw Halo Infinite was the gameplay. Everybody said, yeah, the gameplay looks great, but let's rag on the graphics, which I thought was so 
interesting because it's usually like wow the game looks amazing but the gameplay sucks it was the total inverse and the most important thing is the gameplay so it's like it was so weird like about that you know what i mean they weren't even ragging on the graphics they were ragging on a screenshot captured on a low-res video in motion a frame of that like <laughs> and then blowing talk about making a mountain out of a molehill like that is exhibit a did it look amazing no not that image that that looks pretty piss poor yeah but it's also not to be an apologist like i said but it's also from a build that's been confirmed to be from four months ago and because of covid they didn't get an updated build in time for this presentation and even if it's the same whatever like it looks like an awesome game and i don't imagine too many times where i'm going to be noticing a single frame of a brute flying by the screen as i'm attacking them like i don't i don't get it whatever though in all types of animation people always will take like the in-between frames of animations and just be like look how bad this looks but it's like if you look at the whole animation as a whole this is like with shows and games and anything that's animated if you look at the whole animation it looks fine but if you look at this one in-between yep. frame isolated it looks bad but like you have to look at the whole animation and critique it from there you know and it goes and it goes to show like not to be this guy but a lot of bigger youtubers latched on to the hate of halo and that image and blew it up and now there's just a ton of people that are laughing at halo i'm like did, did these people watch a different presentation than i did because i thought it looked absolutely fantastic like what what do they want out of a game i the other thing too people forget i think they're so used to uncharted and horizon and uh ghost of tsushima now that they're expecting that of realistic graphic and they forget what halo looks like like halo doesn't have that style graphics halo has a very unique style that gets incrementally better but it's not going for hyper realism like these other games do it's it's more of like a sci-fi realism and and i love that about halo where it's so unique that you can see it in action and know that it's halo like it's got a very unique characteristic to all the graphics in it so I just, I don't understand the argument. I really don't. I'd love to have a one-on-one -on -one with someone that has a hard stance against Halo. I'd be like, what? do you even play Halo? Like, what What are you mad about? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine the pressure now on, like, like now the future presentations that are going to come? Like, they need to make sure every single frame of the presentation is, like, perfect. Did you see my recent video where I said, this right now, this internet reaction, is exactly what is going to force these companies to do more pre-rendered videos and less gameplay. Because yeah. when they show gameplay, yep. it's going to get picked apart to the frame yep. to blow up and make it look bad. So they're going to have to fine-tooth comb this stuff and give people less information. That's all the public, this whole, this whole uh, podcast, that's all the public has shown is they can't handle information they get information and they piss on it but just don't give people information yeah it sucks because we're we're all saying one of the the problems that we had with the sony presentation was like there wasn't enough gameplay they showed the ratchet and clank gameplay which looked amazing by the way but everything else was like cg trail so like okay cool now microsoft is going to show gameplay with halo and what do they do they show more gameplay like 10 minutes of footage and it gets ripped apart so it's like well we're asking for gameplay they showed an earlier build because that's what had ready before a global pandemic and you're ripping it to shreds without yep. even touching the game it, it's so frustrating there's no winning no matter what no you do yeah, there's no winning <laughs> the problem is the way 
the way the internet works is people pile on who don't have anything to do with it, like don't play Halo, don't care about Xbox, don't care about the game's presentation. And this becomes a meme and people who don't even care about it start sharing it and then it starts spreading hate and people don't even know like what it is that they're referring to. And it's just... Ugh. The argument's terrible too because it's clearly going to be better when it's released. It's just like, here's what it looks like right now. Obviously, um, this isn't the final footage. You know, it, well, it, it, the argument someone made with me in the comments section is why would I upgrade to an Xbox Series X if this was originally built for the Xbox One and it's coming out for the Xbox One and the graphics they showed didn't really blow me away? Why? Why would I upgrade? And it goes back to the same exact thing that I answered when you asked the question: Why would you upgrade to an HD TV when your regular or, or a 4K TV when your HD TV works perfectly fine. It's like minuscule, but people do it because they want the best of the best. And if you want it, it's there. And the best part about this with Microsoft, they're saying, if you don't want it, no beans, you can still play it on what you have. Like, great. People are frustrated because they want these games built from the ground up on a console that they'd have to buy the console for. And I would argue, one, that's a huge risk for a company. But two, like, what? How how much better is it going to be? Like, honestly, how much better? Look at the graphics on games today. How much better can they get? Right now, it's incremental, minuscule compared to Atari to NES to Super NES to N64. I mean, PS3 to PS4 was minuscule to me. Relative to what I just mentioned, and, uh, PS4 to PS5 is minuscule to me. Relative to Atari to NES to SNES, like it's the same thing. It's like it's you can't you can't argue this. Everyone wants, everyone expects like the next console, and part of it is Microsoft's fault because they've been marketing the crap out of this about the teraflops will be able to make you coffee in the morning but this is one of those things that you they, they built up the expectations so high that when they showed halo there's no way it could have met those so yes it is on microsoft from that perspective but i look at it as you really believe the marketing hype from these companies really like come on now you gotta take it with a great assault they're trying to sell a system here they're gonna they're gonna make up words like car commercials do to make you think you need something you don't even know what it is like <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know what a teraflop is. Who cares? Yeah. No, it's true. But do you think, not just graphics, though, because we talked to Dreamcast Guy, and Dreamcast Guy on his streams, he mentions this too, that he says, not right away, but eventually the way we play games will change during this ninth generation. Do you think that's true or no? Like with artificial intelligence and uh, online multiplayer, do you think that stuff is significantly going to change this generation other than graphics, or do you think it's kind of going to be the same i think he's not too far off base with that uh i think there's a chance uh, that doesn't that's not really a risky statement because there's always a chance for something but i think there's a chance that this could change how we play games going forward one game pass has already kind of proven that that's going to make people go digital which is completely changing the dynamic of collectors out there and what people used to think gaming was um but two with playstation uh the psvr2 Whenever that gets announced and what that's going to be able to do for the resolution, I have PSVR and I like it, but I don't love it. 
like the the resolution and and the frames per second are just it's not good enough for keeping it on my head for longer than 20 minutes it's just it's too much it's just meh. um but if we could get a higher resolution higher quality uh, a processor on a console like the ps5 that could compute all this stuff then that changes how i would play my games if it if i can keep it on my head for longer and yeah that that kind of thing could change how i play games too or um whatever microsoft's working on with their hololens which got i don't know kicked down the road and uh uh who knows how long um and and what that could do which by the way i did have a hololens on when i went to comic-con last year and it's cool it's really neat what it can do but it's still not where it needs to be uh the field of vision is very limited so i think they're working on that but what it presents is is very exciting and if the computing power of the Xbox One Series X or whatever the God, the, the console names are terrible. They're like Apple now. It's so annoying. It is. Microsoft needs to fire whoever's in charge of naming their console. <laughs> because I, I, I legitimately consider myself someone who works in the game industry by doing this all the time. And I don't even know what the hell the names of their consoles are and what they mean. Like, think about mom going to uh, Walmart. What She's going to know what these are? Like, PS5 is just a much simpler name. It's really boring, but it works. Like, I'm fine with that. Everyone um, knows Everyone yeah. knows 5 but, is bigger than 4. Yeah. But yeah. nobody knows, <laughs> like, I've you know. Saying, I've been saying well, it, too. You know, what, you know what Nintendo did when the, after the NES came out? A Super Nintendo. That's how you know it's better than the Nintendo. Right. Super. The Wii and the Wii U, it's like, I, I thought that the Wii U gamepad, when I first bought it, could be hooked up to the Wii. I'm like, what? can i buy a separate one and just use it with my wii i can't this is really confusing for someone who pays attention to gaming yeah i thought the same thing when they first showed it yeah so i I just don't want microsoft to make that same mistake too and the other mistake i'm worried about is i don't want them to do what they did with the steam machines because the steam machines they put out like 50 different variations of the steam machines so you have that 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 situation you're talking about that the mom who's or or the dad whoever doesn't know about the gaming industry at all, and they see, wait a minute, there's 50 different Steam machines. Which one am I supposed to buy? I feel like if Microsoft launches like four or five, maybe even like six versions of the console based on, you know, some of the the leaks that are coming out after the presentation, it's like, that is such a bad idea because the PlayStation 5 is so simple. It's like, here's the one with the disk drive. Here's the one without the disk drive. That's it. You know the difference. You could put your movies in this one. This one you can't. You have to download it digitally. I do see an issue with that, though. With the, you're giving way too much credit to the moms and dads of America out there. Like, oh, am I? <laughs> you go to a Walmart or, or a Target. Oh, I want the my son wants the the, the next PlayStation for Christmas. The store employees literally. I've seen I've seen it in action, so I know firsthand. People sometimes, not all, but some of these employees at the Walmart and Target electronics section don't understand the video games that they're selling. They don't They don't know anything more than the parents. They'll tell them the wrong information. I had to correct one of them one time when they were telling them that a controller would work with the Wii when it wouldn't because it was for the Wii U. Like that was one of those situations that the, I saved the mom from having a, a confusing experience. That's the, the PlayStation 5 with the disk drive and disk list. You think they're gonna know the difference? They're gonna buy little Timmy the diskless system, assuming there's a disk drive on it, because the disk drive ones were sold out. Like that's going to happen a yeah. lot. That's true. And then yeah, that's a good Timmy, point. I didn't think about that. 
little Jimmy's going to be pissed off because he doesn't have a credit card and his parents don't want to hook up an account and all this other stuff. So it's going to be a headache for them eventually. I, I think they need to do a really good job of uh, explaining with their marketing, with their advertisements, when they do come out with it, of the difference. And in stores with, with placards and, and signs and things. This does not have a disk drive, by the way, like in big words, like, like just something. No. That's like a, a good point. Player. I didn't really think about that. People who own the store don't really care if someone buys the one without a disk drive. And I don't think Sony really oh, they cares. Do care. They, do, they do care with a customer service standpoint of that people getting frustrated. They're told one thing and it does the other. Or the, the return lines are going to be out the ass with, with people yeah. trying to return them and get the other ones or exchanges. And that's, that's a headache trying to send those back to the company. Like they, they want to get it right the first time too. They want the customers to be happy. It's not, especially for with a really expensive purchase. If it was something cheap, they wouldn't care. But an expensive purchase, they want to get it right. I would think. Could be wrong though. That's that's a good <laughs> point. And especially again, someone who's seen this first firsthand, and and the fact that you're a parent and you kind of see the way other parents who aren't as knowledgeable about the gaming industry as you, for example, and you see how they react. It's that's a good perspective. I didn't really think about that. Oh, even more than that perspective is me doing YouTube gaming. And still getting tripped up on the names of the consoles. That's concerning. That should be Exhibit A for the biggest concern for Microsoft right now. I have no idea what the new Xbox is called. I think it's the Series X, but is there something Series before X. that? Series X. Yes. Xbox uh, Series X, One X, X. Some of that, All right. Yeah. Are, there are rumors that there's going to be another Xbox Series X. Yeah, Series version. S. Yeah. <laughs> Xbox Series like, S. All right. I'm like, I'm already confused here. Like, yeah. Can we just the game console come out, guys? Why do we have to over over uh, complicate it? No, I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree 100%. Should have just called the Xbox 720. Everyone wanted it. Yep. Yep, 720. <laughs> what would it work? And the 1080. Yep, and the 1080. <laughs> or the Super Xbox. Yeah, the, the Super <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think if they did That's something true. like that, that would sell way better. <laughs> Like I know there'd be people who would hate on it, but it would be it would be such a much better name. When's the Z box? Or the out? or the Y box and the Z box? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we've been waiting on them for for decades at this point. We need the X. We need the Y box. You know. Mm. <laughs> well, cool guys. Hey, this was an awesome conversation. We covered so much in here, and Smash JT, thanks so much again for coming on. But first. Where can people find you at? Where can people watch your awesome videos and follow you on social media? Go ahead and plug away. All right. YouTube.com slash SmashJT or Twitter.com slash SmashJT or Facebook.com slash SmashXJT. <laughs> SmashJT was already taken on Facebook. Oh, they took it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or Instagram, SmashJT, at SmashJT. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I cause trouble, but it's all in good fun. <laughs> People take it way too seriously. Well, if the trouble you cause is telling the truth and making funny videos, then that's the kind of trouble we like. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. The pleasure was all mine, guys. Seriously, this was a lot of fun. So thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, 
when we hit episode 100 we can have a big <laughs> a big yeah. guest return list of everybody we're hoping to get Tommy <laughs> Tell Rico Jeepcast guy Tony Hawk you know, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> that's amazing which, which speaking of which, real quick though cool. I am really excited for that Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake I think that looks awesome because I love those games growing up you're asking my opinion or you just yeah, yeah, your opinion yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious yeah, <laughs> real quick yeah uh, I, I will say not, not to be a Debbie Downer on it, I, I played so much uh, of, of two that it's hard for me to get excited about it again because I was just so burnt out from it. Oh, um, but, okay. I mean, that that might change. Uh, I might be singing a different tune when it comes out. I might be like, oh, it's hard to say no to it. But when I heard about it, I was like, hey, I'm happy for the people that are excited about it. But for me, I played the hell out of that game so much. I mean, that's one of the games I've played more than any game like ever. That wow. I'm just like hard for me to get excited for which is weird right because it's gonna be like remade and redone if it's like it's yeah, new once characters you get yeah the, uh, but it's just uh i don't know it's just i know how much work goes into the button combinations and learning it all and doing it i'm like that's exhausting just to think about again but who knows <laughs> we'll see <laughs> cool guys all right well especially t we'll let you go about your day um, we know you got a lot of stuff to do and again we appreciate you so much for doing this so thanks again we'll, and I'll be in touch with you soon awesome it was a pleasure thank you guys again no problem thank, oh, you, thank, for, you. thank no you for problem. coming talk to you later